0: Oh, that that to a got it wrong. this
1: no This is a news roundy podcast and you're listening to NL playoffs. Hello and welcome to NL playoffs. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Aniket say namaste. Hello world. So we are at round 22, Uh, Aniket. We are recording this on the 8th of June, 2022. India time, it's about 8, 10 a.m. We have another special guest joining us, a fellow subscriber. Uh, We are uh, pleased to welcome back Abhijit. Uh, Abhijit, welcome back to our show, man.
0: It's great to have you. Hey, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: So Abhijit now holds the record of uh, maximum recurring... NL yes,
2: guest,
1: yes. so welcome what, is back. Is it three or four? Third. I think third. it's third, yeah. Okay, that's that's three. Uh, bef- uh We have uh, a few things to cover. We'll predominantly be covering the, uh, the French Open this time around uh, on this episode because we have an expert in the house. Uh, we'll be covering French Open, uh, men's, women's doubles and so on. Uh, we'll also try to briefly touch upon the Champions League final that, uh, uh, unfortunately for Aniket, uh, Real Madrid ended up winning. One nil against Liverpool. Uh, IPL just concluded. I mean, I watch a lot of it, but it seems like a bygone era already because it's IPL was so much a part of uh, our lives every day, and then all of a sudden it was gone, and it feels like a uh, an end of I don't know. It feels like two months already since the IPL final has passed. But that's for another day. Uh, We also have the NBA finals going on. The Golden State Warriors are playing the Boston Celtics. As we speak, the series is tied one apiece in the seven match series. Uh, The series is now heading back to Boston, which is very interesting. But having said all that, I think we should open with uh, Abhijit first because he got a new job. And he got a new job in the world of tennis. He got a new job in the All India Tennis Association (AITA). Is that right, Abhijit, Tell us more about it.
0: Yeah, sure. So actually, I'm working as a business development manager at this sports management agency, which uh, organizes events like Pro Tennis League, and there are different conference and camps. So in the it's in the world of tennis, and uh, my job with AITA is uh, very limited to their National Tennis Center, National Tennis Center or NTCs, where They are training the upcoming players and uh, India's best pros go and train there. So the runs, uh, the programs that are run there, uh, I'm kind of going to help them run those programs and uh, more of a documentation work and presentation work. Yeah, that's kind of uh, of my profile there.
2: Oh, that's pretty cool. So you're, you're going to run Rub Shoulders with some of the future athletes and some of the people who basically run our tennis ecosystem. So, Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna apply for being your best friend. So yeah, yeah. sure.
0: I mean, uh, of course, it's a dream job, but of course, there's a, a great responsibility as well. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna try my best.
1: You have, you have a dream job and you have responsibility, which is just the perfect combo. All of us have just responsibilities minus <laughs> the dream job. So it is great that you're, you have. You're, no, really, it's great that you've really actively pursued what you really wanted to do, and now here you are. You are also, you know, often you're chatting about how uh, back in the day, didn't you apply for internship over there? Yeah, I remember back
0: in 2014. So I was showing my boss also uh, that eight years ago, I uh, tried to um, intern at AITA and that didn't go well. And uh, I did not even hear from them back then. And then, yeah, uh, eight years later, I'm working with them in some capacity. So, yeah, um, this is how it has come to and uh, I'm very happy about that.
2: Uh, life has mysterious ways and uh, more power to you. So, you know. Keep Thank you so, pushing. Much,
0: so much. Thanks a lot, guys. A
1: lot. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, without further ado, let's get into uh, what we are really here for, which is uh, to recap the French Open that just concluded. I think there's no uh, better place to start than to start with uh, Mr. Rafael Nadal. He has won his 14th Roland Garros title. That's right, he's won 14 French Opens.
0: The greatest becomes even greater. It is a 14th Roland Garros title for the greatest player this great tournament has ever seen and ever will see. A 22nd Grand Slam title as he breaks even more records becomes the oldest ever men's singles champion at Roland Garros and did it in emphatic fashion unstoppable almost unbeatable at this tournament defeats kasparov 6-3 6-3 6-love in 2 hours and 18 minutes
1: he's won 14 grand slam titles on the same surface which is still kind of insane to me his 22nd Grand Slam overall, putting him ahead of uh, uh, Federer and Djokovic, who have 20 apiece, uh, kind of blows my mind. His, his I, I'll, I, We can go talk about his records later on, but uh, in a way, you know, I was, we were talking, Abhijit, we were talking to Xenia on the last episode, and we were getting her predictions real quick, and she was saying, it's you know, it might be Djokovic. Uh, Or Nadal. Could be the way. But she was leaning on Djokovic. But I said, you know, as long as Nadal is playing, even if he's 43 or 44 on clay, I'm always going to pick Nadal. So it turned out to be that
0: way. Yeah, man. I mean, when it comes to the big three, uh, we should never write them off. Especially at their favourite grand slams. Like Djokovic at Austrian Open, Nadal at French Open, and Federer at Wimbledon. I will always bet on them as long as they're playing.
2: So it's super interesting you say... Federer in Wimbledon because, uh, yeah, that would be the dream to actually see Roger Federer because I'm a Federer fan. But, hey, uh, talking about uh, Rafael Nadal, so 22 grand slams, which I think is insane. Uh, he's he's now equaled uh, Steffi Graf and uh, I think one shot of uh, Serena, is that correct? Like, yeah. in, in terms of uh, the total number of grand slams. And the sheer number, 22. So, I have a question for the panel here. Who thought Nadal would be the first to reach, forget 20, but beat 2 ahead of Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic? Please raise your hands.
0: Uh, I remember watching the 2019 Wimbledon and where Federer defeated Roddick. And that's when Federer uh, beat Sampras' record. You know, there was 14 Grand Slams back then. And to think that people have gone to 22 now with three of them, you know, 20 or 20-plus, 20 uh, that's just unbelievable, you know. It's 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 quite amazing what uh, these three have done. And yeah, Rafa among all of them, you know, because they always uh, doubted Rafa in the sense that uh, his physicality and his style of game... Uh, they said, okay, he's not going to last for such a long time. And now he's 36 years old and he already <laughs> he won his 22nd Grand Slam. Uh, nobody has done that before. So, yeah, that's pretty impressive.
2: So, just to piggy off that data point, uh, you mentioned uh, about 14 Grand Slams. I think it, this is around 2009, 2010, not the exact year. But Federer, Djokovic, Nadal were on the scenario, same scene. And Federer was at 12, I believe, if I'm not wrong at that he was
0: uh, 16. By 2010, Austrian Open, he was 16. 16. So, I'm talking Rafa about 2009,
2: was- 2008, something around that time. And yeah. I think Djokovic was maybe a single digit or not even on the uh, picture. And here they are, the three giants uh, at 20 apiece. I mean, it has been some uh, decade for tennis fans,
1: at least. It's just been uh, crazy. Absolutely. I mean, uh, especially Nadal on uh, clay, it's been crazy. So, his French Open… Uh, just just a big picture french open stat he's played 115 matches in total he's lost 3 and one a whopping 112 matches his winning percentage at the french open is 97% uh so he started in uh, 2005 so that's what 17 years ago uh we are in 2022 we're still talking about him being the favorite he's probably going if he's playing next year he's probably going to be the favorite again uh he's lost only three times and the other and the other tournament uh, sorry in, and the other year he was out was because of a wrist injury where he had to withdraw in the third round so kind of unbelievable i mean uh, rafa on clay i think i'll, I'll uh, ask abhijit this question as well i think Ra- what makes rafa so great on clay is is just the style of play he's he's a guy who is always on the baseline he runs and runs and runs like mad Clay surfaces are obviously slower than the other two surfaces. So I think that suits his style very well. He has all of those top spin, uh, top spin shots, for lack of a better word. I think that suits it suits perfectly for uh, uh, the clay coat as well. He has these tremendous running uh, forehand winners and backhand winners, mostly the forehand winners, that are actually aided by the fact that the surface is slow so he can get to the balls pretty quickly or pretty easily than, you know, like grass or hard surfaces. So, Abhijit, what do you make of uh, Rafa and uh, his love affair with clay?
0: You said it, man. I mean, Rafa, uh, because of his aggressive uh, game from the baseline and the top swing he generates is so much better than anybody else who plays on clay. And as you know, because it's a clay surface, people have more time, the players have more time to... Collect the ball and hit it back, but Rafa hits his winners with such uh, power that even the best players in the world cannot, uh, you know, get to the ball. So yeah, I mean, Rafa and Clay are like it's a love story <laughs> made in heaven. And um, yeah, I think one day you know someone might cross twenty-two Grand Slams in men's. But I doubt anybody will cross 14 Roland Garras's. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> actually, yeah. Let me let me take that point a little forward. Okay. So, 14 Grand Slams by, by a single player. So, 14 Grand Slams on one surface, right? So, he has won 14 Grand Slams. So, I was trying to come up last night with a very rough list of how we can compare this record with other sports, right? So, and to see if that record is actually... Uh, achievable again by any other person. So we have uh, Sachin's hundred hundreds. So I don't know if anybody else is close to getting that, or it re- or if it will be broken in our lifetimes at least. Uh, so doubtful. The Chicago Bulls, the Michael Jordan's uh, uh, team of nineteen ninety six, I think, when they won seventy two uh, regular season games, that was a record then, which is now obviously broken by the Golden State Warriors. They have seventy three and nine record. But in that in that year when the Bulls went seventy two and ten, they also won the championship which uh, the Warriors did not. So there is still that record to the name, but I'm pretty sure that record can be broken as well, given how the current uh, uh, NBA uh, league is trending. Now Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, who is still active, he has he has 103 victories. Now the next best, I'm trying to remember who it is. I think it is probably Schumacher. He's, he's way back already, and nobody on the current grid is even close to touching, uh, uh, I don't know, 50 yet. So he's at 103. So I don't know if that is achievable. Uh, Will Chamberlain, the, the he's called the Big Dipper back in the day. He's a great basketball player who was known as this tremendous scorer on the offensive side. He had 100 points in a game, which is which still stands. I think this record is probably 70 years old. I don't know if that can be broken. Maybe, yes, maybe not. Uh, we have the two, uh, uh, on the squash side of things, we have the two great Pakistani players, Jan Sheer Khan and Jahangir Khan, who have 99 and 61 titles to their name again nobody's even close uh, and just a last example that i thought on top of my head was uh, jack nicholas in golf with who had 18 majors tiger was very close until he had 15 and then he kind of spiraled down a little bit oh uh, sorry he had 14 and spiraled down and came back and won one more so uh Anike, i don't know just to keep it in context i don't know if records like these can be broken uh, now there is a slim chance in the list that I said maybe two or three could be broken, maybe, but I don't think uh, Nadal's fourteen French Opens can be beaten anytime soon. You know, uh, when you said this, it
2: it seems uh, I just it just it hits me the the greatness of what you've done. Right, basically it's one surface, and you've come fourteen times and just. Like you said, with a 97%. And he's won it 14 times. But to win 14 times, he's played so many more number of games on that surface. And having a 97% win record is just insane. It's And uh, some of these records, like I was thinking, for example, Sachin's uh, 100s, right? It is all through his career over various surfaces. But a record similar to this would be one player goes to lords and just keeps hammering a century every time he steps on the feet. So, just thinking about it, uh, it just blows my mind. Uh, just the magnanimity of the feat that has been achieved. I don't know if it would be ever be broken, but I've learned one thing. Never say never in sport. So, that's one thing uh, I have learned from experience and uh, the way things typically go. So, but yeah, no, kudos to Nadal. And the way he did it this time in style, I, I want to touch upon this again with this injury that he played with and stuff. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But yeah, some of these uh, records just send him uh, on, on in the books of the greats. And I, I don't know what, if I can add any more
0: value than saying that. Yeah.
1: Records, records are meant to be broken, right? But I don't know. What do you think, Abhijit? I don't know if this can be broken.
0: Man, you gave me that list That is such a long list, but I would also like to add Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps in that list. Maybe their timings will be beaten, but I don't know if uh, the number of medals they've won, uh, if that can be beaten. Uh, but again, uh, you know, athletes are always getting stronger, faster, uh, higher, you know, as the Olympic motor stays. And uh, yeah, maybe there'll be a player, maybe Alcaraz or, you know, someone in the future who will get to 22 and plus but that 14 i still have my doubts maybe let's see we'll see i mean i'll i'll be happily surprised if that happens again in my lifetime (laughs) it seems
1: like a it seems like such a distant destination right now uh coming back to the tournament itself uh as it turned out uh abhijit it turned out that uh nadal's uh match against uh, Djokovic turned out to be the most uh critical game as one would have expected because as it turned out in hindsight the semi-final ended up being uh, short-lived because uh, uh, who retired again? I've always forgotten his name. Medvedev, right? Zverev. Zverev. Uh, Zverev. Uh, right, right, Zverev. Zverev had to retire uh, with, with a leg injury after the first set or the end of the first set. Uh, and then the final was pretty much a breeze for Nadal. So as it turned out, uh, his match against Djokovic turned out to be the pivotal, uh, uh, pivotal point of uh, this Grand Slam.
0: I would say if, uh, his match against Felix yes him. I think that was like the match that went to distance and, you know, kind of yeah. uh, gave a bit of trouble to Rafa. But otherwise, even the Jokic match, I think it was okay this year, to be honest. It, I yeah. didn't think it was that great. Last year's Jokic Rafa at yeah. French, that was uh, like a class, especially that third set. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rafa did, really didn't have a challenge, you know, this year. I mean, when people were talking before the tournament started, you know, because there's Alcaraz in the same group, Djokovic and uh, Zverev as well. Uh, but yeah, none of them could uh, fight him. And Rafa was, you know, he just went to the final very easily. And he won it, man. He just did it again <laughs> for the 14th time.
1: I mean, he makes it look easy, Aniket, uh, but it, it's...
0: It's not really easy. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. It's, it's insane. I mean, yeah, it's
2: it's just scary. sheer magnanimity of this uh, feat is just mind... And it surprises me that I... When I think about the younger players coming up, right? Uh, maybe there is still time. I'm being premature, but... In uh, making this judgment. But it seems that nobody would dominate one particular surface like Nadal has done. And even forget... Nadal for now but the big picture no one would dominate tennis just these like these three have done in our lifetime uh like winning one after the other and when I say these three I mean uh Djokovic Nadal and Federer the sheer dom it just seems that it's going to be tough to see this kind of uh domination by three people again I don't know you have thoughts on this
0: Dude just wait till these three retire and then you see how many new slam you yeah. will have every year it yeah. will be like i don't know 80s or 90s i mean there'll be some five four, four five players that will be dominating the decade but there'll be a lot of uh, one slam wonders and you know people on like maybe two slams yeah it's it's going to be crazy that yeah that's what space. i feel
2: it it would be tough to have a career span like this it it would be tough i, I don't say no but it would really be uh, it would take someone of some uh, metal and calling to you know come and play uh, like this and and I'm I'm honestly looking forward for it as a sporting fan. Uh, you always look for the next generation to pick up the mantle, so I'm totally looking up for that. But at this point, I would really struggle to point to one person and say, "Oh, this person could actually do that." So yeah, time will tell.
1: In in a way, tennis fans are spoiled because you know if you look at the transition. I can maybe take Becker, start with Becker. It went from Becker to Agassi to Sampras to Federer to, you know, Radic was there, but Federer and Nadal and Djokovic. And now we hit the jackpot with three of them playing at the same time and winning, I don't know what, 62 Grand Slams together. So it's kind of crazy. But I think we were a little spoiled for choice. But I think, as you said, once all all the three athletes uh, retire, we'll see what happens. It might be one of those uh, uh, Grand Slams, you know, where... On on grass and hard courts, whenever Serena Williams is not playing, you know it's up for grabs. Anybody, you know, but there was a time when oh, this 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 person might win or that person might win. So who knows what happens? Uh, did you see? I think it was Federer who said uh, that they should uh, rename the center court with uh, Rafael Nadal's Rafael Nadal's name. Did you see that? Was it Federer who said that? It was Federer's coach. Oh, it was Federer's coach who said that. Okay, so Federer's coach said that uh, they should rename the. Uh, the center court at Roland Garros to uh, Rafael Nadal, which I think is very fair considering how big of an achievement or how much he's already achieved. Now, also, uh, which I was a little curious, so I looked up uh, who Philippe Chatrier was. So here's here's his uh, uh, resume, guys. He was a former uh, tennis player from France. His Grand Slam singles results were he made the third round in the French Open in 1949. He made the third round in Wimbledon in 1951. He lost in the first round at the US Open in 1955. And that is it. He has Grand Slam doubles. He made it to the second round in Wimbledon. But then I think he went on to be an administrator and he went on to become... The president of the FTA, the France French Tennis Association, for 20 years, so that's why they named the the court, the Centre Court after him. But I think, come on, it's it's high time you have. Do you either build so a either big big ass okay. statue outside the uh, outside the Centre Court that has Rafael Nadal's uh, the uh, bronze? I don't know, his running forehand or something, or rename the Centre Court after him.
2: So I I have a, a point to make here, and I just say that yeah, what Rafa has done is a tremendous feat. But the other thing is that uh, Philippe was a French person who actually worked towards development of uh, the French tennis, right? So, that has a place in itself. With that being said, the way Rafa is loved at Roland Roland Garros, I I would not be surprised if any of what both of you have said actually happens because I think the people just love him there. And uh, you can see it when he plays tennis there. Uh, I think he would call it home at this point. like So, uh, yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, the French crowd is very tough to win, okay? And yeah. uh, if you can, in the last week itself, uh, there was a player called Alice Corne, a French player, and she was booed by her own French audience. And um, even if you can go back in time and, you know, check out videos where Martina Hingis is playing against someone and then French crowd is booing her. And I mean, it's a really tough crowd. For uh, sure. So, Just
2: to add to that, even in uh, football, so Neymar, Messi, and all were booed by the PSG fans. Yeah. Just to give more context, so it seems like uh, data tells us that uh, it is their tough group of fans to win over. And here comes a Spaniard. And they still love Rafa
0: so much. So that's <laughs> saying something. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it, it it's it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I think yeah, that, I think it's high time they rename it. I also, if you end up winning, uh. 14 grand slams at roland garros you have to even though you don't like him you have to begrudgingly accept that he's pretty good on clay <laughs> so that, that there's that uh, so uh, any other key takeaways uh, for you abhijit on the men's side of things i know we spoke at length about nadal i mean we can we can just keep talking about nadal and clay till the till yeah, just the, let's let yeah go ahead shout,
0: give a shout out to casper uh, also because you know it's yes. his first slam final and he's norwegian
1: i saw which is very interesting
0: yeah i mean imagine uh, and a he's also country.
2: trained in yes. nadal's academy if i believe because that was a question that was brought up i, I don't know the exact context but uh, in his press conference after he was asked and even nadal was asked and he actually nadal is so humble He's so nicely he just said i don't remember and that's he kind of <laughs> called it a dumb question without saying it in words but i so do you know more about this subject? like did he train yeah, in nadal? so
0: Rafa has this uh, academy called Rafa Nadal Academy in Mallorca, and Casper uh, used to train there. Uh, so yeah, he's like one of the alumni, as you can say. And uh, but yeah, I mean Casper, past one year, what he's done is pretty amazing. He uh, broke into top ten. He played the ATP Finals last year. Uh, his most successful surface is clay. And uh, this this is his first uh, French Open final and I, I don't think it's his last, you know. I think he's one of the best clay coach players in the world right now, along with Rafa, uh, Sitsipas, Zverev. Uh, Dominic team is out right now. Um, he's not in form, but yeah, if I have to pick up, you know, Djokovic and these four or five guys, Kasper is in the top five for sure. And um, once these, uh, Djokovic and Nadal kind of go away, I think someone like Kasper and Stefanos Tsitsipas and these guys will take their place in the world of clay.
2: And it's interesting you say that uh, because if you looked at the final just without uh, any other context, you would see the sheer dominance Rafa had over what we are considering one of the top five players in uh, tennis and on clay court, right? It's just uh I, I yeah I mean and I think uh Casper said it in his words I read I read it on one of the uh, websites where he he, I, he said something along the lines that I'm not his first victim, so uh, which uh-huh. base which basically I was like yeah I mean that's true There have been like hundreds before you so uh, I think it's a great moment uh, like you said you know shout out to Casper because coming and knowing that the person you're playing has won there 13 times and has whatever stats Gotham said, 97% win record. It just takes a gumption to show up and uh, do your best. So that's that. But I wanted to touch upon one thing which I was not very uh, familiar with. I learned later in post-match conferences is that Nadal was playing with a foot injury and he spoke about how his doctor would give injections to his leg to put his feet asleep and that's how he would play. And uh, in in the con in the post match conference, he did talk about he can't go on doing this for longer. So, um, do any of you have a little bit more context and some uh, insights you can provide along these lines?
0: Sure. So, basically, what he has like this, his words basically, where he said it's not an injury. He's just been injured. He's been playing with this condition for a very long time. So, this is not something new. Uh, but this is how <laughs> it's Man. been going on, and for. Those reasons he takes these medications, which kind of numbs his foot, and that's how he's been playing. So, I just yes, saw yesterday, I saw one video uh, in Paris where they're doing the uh, photo shoot that he was, you know, uh, cramping there as well. And, you know, he, lim- he was limping later on, and it was like really uh, difficult uh, sight. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is Rafa, he's gone through this again and again and and i think that's the reason maybe you know last year is probably i think and then he'll probably retire you know 15 oh. at roland garros and that's it i think because he he keeps saying that he wants to uh, focus on his life post tennis you know he wants to do things he uh, post tennis so uh, yeah i mean let's see what happens but th- that injury is something he's been carrying it for a very long time yeah cuz
2: i remember even the australian open when he came back he came from that injury And the sheer insanity of playing with injections, your feet asleep, and then it just sounds insane to me. It just, uh, like, it it requires some level of dedication to uh, the sport. Uh, Also, one thing I want to touch upon previously, which I missed, was uh, Rafa's attitude, right? So, I think the clay coat also supports his attitude, which is, like, resilience. Gotham, you already mentioned it's one of the slowest coats, but he's just... Uh, he doesn't stop; like he just keeps going as long as the ball as yeah, as long as the ball is alive. You will see Rafa trying to get to it. Uh, I've never seen him. I, to be honest, uh, never seen him give up. Like I've never seen that, and that's I think one thing that that's the kind of attitude that takes to do uh, crazy stuff like this. Yep.
1: You know the 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 injuries. Uh, the the specific one he had this time around makes me doubt that makes me doubt if he would actually play Wimbledon this year
0: I don't think so man it's like yeah. a exhibition event where uh, yeah. there's a, he might just slip on that grass so I doubt he'll play Wimbledon
1: yeah exactly I don't think Federer on the other hand might play
0: no, he's no. Federer is not coming until uh, the end he of that? this year, right? He's yeah, coming that's... back for the,
2: the oh, I thought it was back the for tournament Wimbledon. he's organizing. I forget what is that. So yeah, he... Lever Cup. Lever... He's coming back
0: yeah. for Lever Cup, and then he's gonna play Basel. Uh, that's his home okay. tournament. Yeah. I think that's his uh, to uh, comeback schedule. Uh, but yeah, not before that. He's not coming. Before
1: oh, that. okay, interesting. I thought Federer would be back
0: for Wimbledon. Maybe
1: not. So, uh, so one also, thing, also, Gautam. Yeah,
2: sorry. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, mentioned slipping. I just wanted to talk about... Did you guys see Zavreyev's injury? It was... Uh, I happened to see it live. And oh my god. It hurt me. <laughs> just watching... I, and the, and you could hear him grie- uh, grieve in pain. And um, so apparently he has, I think, three... Uh, what is it? ligaments or something that have actually torn. And he basically had to get an operation. And he walked off on crutches. So oh, that was uh, that was painful. But um uh, i wanted to talk about that match cuz i think the first set came kind of close uh when it was 7-6 it was 6-6. It, the first one was 7-6 i think nadal won and then it was 6-6 in the second set and that's when the injury happened i believe so yeah so again oh yeah that 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 made me hurt physical also, that caused uh, me physical pain seeing him like that it was crazy
1: yeah yeah, I saw him. I missed the injury, but I saw him come out uh, in crutches and shake hands and so on. Uh, also, you had uh, you had a few pointers on uh, Felix auger aliassime Abhijit, what do you make of him?
0: Yeah, uh, I think Felix auger aliassime is, um, you know, we've been hearing about this guy since back in 2016. You know, I remember visiting French Open and I went to see his boy's singles final where he lost. And that time he was, what, 15, 16 years old? And we've been hearing that he's the next big things ever since and uh, finally this year he won his first title in his ninth attempt so he had lost his eight uh atp finals and uh finally on his ninth attempt he won one title this earlier this year against Sitsipas. and now i think he's getting in the zone where uh he's one of the best performance on the circuit and even what he did against rafa you know pushing him to, to the fifth set i think uh, that was pretty amazing, and I think he will do better at Wimbledon now because his uh, preferred surface is grass. So I think we're gonna see more from Felix auger uh later this year, and uh, yeah, I think he's he's he has a potential to become a top five player very soon.
2: And he's like what 21, <laughs> so yeah, he, he, he you're telling me he's yeah. like won his tenth attempt, and I'm like at 21. That's that's uh,
1: that's crazy. Well, well, how old how how old was Nadal when he won the French Open? Nineteen. Oh, 19, nineteen,
0: right? Yeah. yeah okay. No, I mean, yeah, these... Rafa was nineteen. Jokic was twenty, and Federer was twenty-one when they won their first. So I yeah. think this yeah.
2: is a good segue. So Iga Schwantek, did she break his record of winning it at eighteen? She won it at eighteen. Is is that correct? Uh, or she, yeah, won it... she won it.
0: Twenty twenty, so she must be eighteen back then. Yeah. Yeah. You're so correct.
2: I think she she was the youngest person to win uh, French Open, and I wanted to talk about the women's uh, final two and her journey, because. Uh, to be honest, I actually hadn't followed her that closely. So, I would really like to learn more about her. And um, she, I know she's been unbeaten now for uh, how many games? I, I 35.
1: Five wins in a row. <laughs> also, uh, this was, uh, as as we spoke with Xenia, she said this was probably one of the most predictable uh, winners that there could be. Yeah, uh, because she was shot. on such a hot streak, Abhijit. So yeah, what do you make of Iga? Iga, sorry?
0: Man, so basically what happened earlier this year, Ash Barty, you know, she decided uh, her retirement and uh, her world number her, her world number one ranking went to Iga. And people were like, oh my God, you know, this woman hasn't even earned that spot. And then I think that kind of, you know, uh, fueled her. And <laughs> she hasn't stopped winning since then, man. She has won 35 matches in a row which is a record tied with Venus Williams when she did the same back in 2000. And uh, yeah, these tournaments include, you know, uh, ATP, sorry, WTA 1000 tournaments like Miami and Indian Wells and um, Rome. And um, it was no surprise that she was going to win this because she was so dominant. But you know how dominant? She's beating her opponents by 6-1, 6-0 in a lot of these matches. So in tennis, we say 6-1 is a breadstick and 6-0 is a bagel. So she's been serving bagels and breadsticks and actually, there's a website called eagasbakery.com that you can go and check out. <laughs> there is just a list of matches where she has served uh, these bagels and breadsticks to her opponents. So yeah, man, I mean, she's she's so dominant right now and so unstoppable um, and it's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm such a big fan of hers, you know, like she she's of course, a, a fellow Rafa fan and uh, she listens to Pearl Jam, everything from Pearl Jam to Dua Lipa. She reads books. You know, she's a... ACDC. Uh, so.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a very cool 21-year-old uh, who's uh, rocking the tennis world right now.
1: She's, she's, she's cut from the old as well as the new cloth. So, this is interesting. So, so uh, quiz time, uh, guys. <clears throat> Anika, I don't know if you're looking at the dog. Don't look at the dog. But so, she is at uh, 35. Who holds uh, on the women's side? Who has the record for the most number of uh, wins, highest Men's winning Men, no, uh, women. Well, let's start with women. I thought he just mentioned
2: Venus, right? Thirty-five equal. No, Venus.
1: Venus. She. Uh, Ega e- e- uh, broke uh, Venus's record, but there are uh, more people. More. I, there are more I, yeah, maybe
0: but before 2000. I'm not sure, man. Uh, because. So the
1: so the longest winning streak is seventy four.
0: There's must the, 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 Navratilova or Evart, one of the two.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is Navratilova. So here's the thing: so there are of the top ten winning streaks, uh, Martin and Navratilova is in five. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. What? So she had this, yeah, <laughs> she so she had this golden period from eighty two to eighty four. In fact, right through '86-'87, so she had 74. That's the that's the record of, of winning streak. 74 in 1984. Uh, she had 58, which is which is the third all time. '86-'87 season. Uh, 54 in '83-'84, uh, and then she had 41 in '82 and 39 in '82-'83. Kind of crazy. So she had five of the top ten. Uh, second is Steffi, which she had 66 in 1989-90 evert is there in 74 with 56 but yeah i mean we are thinking 35 is a lot of uh, lot of uh, 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 games to win on the trot but try to beat 74 <laughs> i mean that's crazy but also on the on the, the other next obvious question is on the men's side uh, uh, take a guess who has the record
0: i think uh, jokic was very short of breaking that record because i think he had 43 or 41 wins 43 11, correct 43 and yeah. Federer beat him at French Open in 2011 to break that record. So, Correct. I remember that yeah. win very clearly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Djokovic uh, was two wins away from McEnroe, maybe?
1: No, he was two, He was three wins away from uh, Guillermo Villas.
0: Oh, got it. So,
1: he had that, that second, by the way, that is 46. So, uh, Guillermo Villas had 46, but who was number one? 53 wins. Oh, wow. 1977-78. I'm not even trying to think right now. So uh, it's, it's a fairly easy guess. It's an obvious guess in a way. Is it Borg? Is it McEnroe? It, it is Borg. It is Borg. Yeah. Fifty-three, beyond Borg. So beyond Borg, fifty-three. <laughs> yeah, I know. So beyond Borg is fifty-three. Uh, Villas, forty-six. Djokovic, forty-three. Federer, forty-two. In that two thousand five-six season, yeah. uh, Sampras, as you said, had thirty-nine in the ninety-four, which is interesting. Thomas Muster, haven't heard of him in ninety-five. I don't know if anybody knows of Thomas Muster. Yeah. He's Nastas, I think I've heard his name here and there, but not really sure. I mean, uh, Yeah. Okay. And then Rod Lever and Nadal tied with 32. So, there is. there are your winning streaks. But yeah, I mean, total domination from uh, Igash Shuyantek. Do you think she's, uh, she's going into Wimbledon as uh, the favorite again? Ah,
0: I, I'm not sure about Wimbledon, man. The thing is, this Wimbledon, we don't even know who's going to play. Like, Naomi Osaka said she might not play Wimbledon. Um, but anyway, Osaka is not a favorite at grass. Um, take, maybe she's in a good form. So, you know, that kind of helps, uh, we'll see, man, <laughs> Wimbledon. I'm I, I the thing is the Wimbledon is the most difficult to win among these four grand slams in terms of dominance, you know, uh, so we'll see what happens
2: because last year was crazy, right? We had our wild card entry win. So, uh, it was crazy.
0: Uh, no, uh, you're talking about Emma Raducanu, yeah. right? She she went deep in the uh at Wimbledon, but she only won uh at the US Open, oh, right, so, yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. Last year's Wimbledon is where Emma Raducanu became a star, and yeah, she's still a star, man. I she's was just struggling you, uh, though. Video of hers yesterday, she released the video with the uh, Dua Lipa promoting the Evian water. I really? mean, what a big change in one year, right?
1: <laughs> That's crazy, she's struggling though. She had Multiple uh, coaching changes, so she's still trying to find a footing a little bit to kind of you know keep that going. So before
2: uh, we uh, uh, you know leave this, I wanted to talk about uh, basically the women's final. So uh, against Coco uh, Golf, how do you uh, right? Is that's that correct. that that's correct? So basically, uh, so I'm just asking to learn because uh, a little bit ignorant. I have I haven't followed either of their careers greatly. Uh, But what really inspired me was uh, the post-match when I heard Iga Schwantek talk.
0: And I wanted to at the end um, say something to Ukraine to stay strong because the world is still there and first speech in Doha basically I was hoping that when I'm gonna do the next one um the situation is gonna get better but I'm still gonna you know have hopes and try to support so thank you guys and see you next year Great job. Nice. Well done. like
2: even after winning I think she gave such a nice she's so humble and she gives a nice talk and then at the end she had a shout out to Ukraine too in all this uh, mess but uh, clearly, the kids seem to have a great head on them. But I wanted to talk about the match in general. What did you think? Because it was clean. It was almost a walkover, like uh, for uh, Schwantek, But a little bit about Coco Goff. What is he? What is she? Where is? What's her pedigree? And uh, why was this uh, interesting for you?
0: Yeah, like so. Before Iga became a star in the tennis world, Coco was already a star. You know, I don't know if you guys remember, but back in twenty nineteen, I think this was at Wimbledon. She defeated Venus at Wimbledon. Yeah, okay. I remember that. She was 15 know, years I old. I don't remember that. Okay, she was just 15 years old, and that's when she became a star. So we've been talking about Google Go for the past three years, and this year she reached the finals, not in just in singles but in doubles as well. And uh, yeah, she's a very complete player. Uh, and uh, yeah, of course, uh, her idols were Serena and Venus, and. She's. She. I think she's gonna have a great career. I think she's a solid player, and um, yeah, this final, <laughs> she you know came across a very you know hardy Gasfiatek who's on a this uh, crazy streak. Uh, yeah. But I think she will have better chances uh, next time, and they might have a great rivalry uh, building up. You never yeah, I know.
1: I think, in a way, you know, I, it's probably a wrong statement, but in a way. Uh, both Casper Ruud and uh, Coco Gauff were there to you know were happy to be there in a way uh, because you know first time finalists they have, they had uh, very little to lose so uh, totally no worries so as uh, you said abhijit uh, she missed out on both single and uh, singles and the doubles titles so she would have gotten a grand slam double right uh, another trivia here so I'm, I, I don't know what i was doing last night i was pulling up all kinds of trivia so uh, in terms of uh, players who achieved this feat uh, in previous grand slams uh, now we'll get one out of the, uh, one person out of the way again martina navratilova apparently from 1978 to 87 she accomplished this feat 14 times by herself 14 times she won both singles and doubles in the same grand slam it's an all time record okay uh, after that it's margaret court uh, 12 times she won it 12 times but then she won uh, 7 in the open era and the five, 5 in the amateur era so that was what before 60s and so on but from 1987 uh, any any guesses as to who might have done it there are about 8 or 9 players I think
0: Martina Hingis is a very yeah, good yeah
1: Hingis is there Hingis won Hingis. it in 97 Australian Open 98 Australian Open yeah
0: hmm. who else um i don't know man now singles players don't play doubles unless you're but you're but
1: a... back in the day i'm sure you do remember because there's there are one or two obvious choices
0: yeah again maybe chris evert
1: no chris evert wasn't there i don't think
0: wow did graf play
1: uh yeah graf graf won it uh in 1988 she won the wimbledon and she also won it with uh sabatini gabriella sabatini
0: boris also on the list who's that boris Baker. Is he on no, the this list? is just
1: women's. Women's, just women's. I'm going to get to the men's. I think later on. I don't think I have a men's thing, but yeah.
0: No manner. Uh, the Williams sisters.
1: They used to play singles yeah. and doubles, right? Keenus, so Venus and Serena, yeah. both of them had it. Any other guesses from the 90s? No, from the early 2000s.
0: Is it Keem Clijsters? Maybe Lindsay Davenport.
1: Lindsay Davenport, yes. Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay Davenport, Davenport 99. Mary yeah. Pierce,
0: 2015. Oh, Mary, yeah.
1: uh, Mary Pierce doesn't g- often get mentioned. She's very underrated.
0: Uh, Dude, I'm going to send you one uh, video of hers later on. She hits this crazy shot, uh, like a yeah. queen. I, and it <laughs> went viral again uh, last week. And uh, I was like, wow, what a player. <laughs> yeah.
1: But anyway, uh, Coco Goff would have uh, achieved uh, one of those improbable feats, but it was not, not to be. Also, uh, with French, the from uh, from a rules point of view, on the men's side, did the did any rule change happen with in terms of fifth set tiebreakers?
0: Because yeah, no, all four Grand Slam have the same. No, they they're gonna play. Uh, how do I say super tiebreaker in the deciding set.
1: How so? That is new to me because I I I don't know. if It was completely under the rock or something. Because last I knew about it, it was uh, if it was a fifth if deciding fifth set, it would go to whoever broke this broke the serve and you know up by two with
0: the distance of two. Uh, yeah, to no, yeah, six 6 up,
1: when it's did that all, change?
0: Uh, this uh a few months ago.
1: Okay, so how wh- how how does a super tiebreak work? Yeah, so can you explain it to us? Me and can medicine? you just tell
0: yes. us there what are... happens? Sure, so in a normal tiebreaker, to decide a set, there are 7 points, right? Any person who gets to 7 or by the difference of 2 wins the tiebreaker. In a super tiebreaker, there are 10 points that are played. Whoever gets to 10 first wins the super tiebreaker. So this if like... What if it's 9-9? Nine, nine? Then it goes to 11-9, you have to win 11-9. Okay
1: difference of two oh, okay interesting yeah. yeah so that was new to me but i'm assuming that is probably to reduce the the length, length of the <laughs> matches yeah, otherwise yeah. five
2: hour six hour <laughs> matches that we see yeah.
1: yeah yeah oh you also had a note by the way on the double side uh, rohan bapana made it to the semi-finals uh he was uh paired up with middle coop is that his name middle coop
0: correct yeah how did he do this time around Dude, Semis. That's that was a great result. We were hoping he reaches the final and lifts the trophy. Uh, because Bob's uh, Bob has just one slam. Um, I mean, com- it's a great achievement, of course. But compare in comparison with you know, Pace, Bhupati, Sanya, who are like multiple slam champions. Yeah, uh, I was hoping Bob's gets there. Uh, but yeah, not a bad result and this year actually has been very well uh, for him, you know. He won at Tatop and Maharashtra with Ram and then he also won another 250 in Australia at the beginning of the year. Um, and now he's playing with uh, Shapovalov at Stuttgart this week. Uh, yeah, Bobs is still, you know, the last remaining... Uh, torch of Indian tennis on men's side, uh, who's still you know uh, going deep in slams and all. So, yeah, I mean, I hope he, he's 42, man, but he doesn't look 42, you know, he's playing so well. He's I 42, he, Yeah,
2: oh wow.
0: <laughs> so, I hope he continues to play uh, for some time, and uh, you know, because it's gonna be like Sanya is retiring later this year. If Bob's also goes away, we don't have any um the double specialists in the sense that the ones who are winning one slams and all that so yeah I, I hope he stays around for a bit more
1: oh so the other thing you had also abhijit uh we have to talk just coming the grand slam that is coming up in terms of wimbledon okay so let's get to wimbledon then uh, coming up in what? It, it usually creeps up pretty quickly after French Open. It's what it in a starts in 27
2: June sometime around that time. So
1: it's three weeks. So yeah, three weeks to go. So uh, Wimbledon 2022, uh, there's been a bit of back and forth going on between the tennis federations and the Wimbledon uh, uh, governing body. Now Wimbledon has said that they're going to, they're not going to, but they are banning all players from Russia and Belarus from participating. Uh, and in intern now the tennis association. Is it ADP and WTA together? Is that the okay?
0: WTA, itf so,
1: Yeah, ITF. So they said they're they're not going to introduce any ranking mm-hmm. points. So Abhijit, give us some context. I know uh we only know that as far as I only know that uh the the Wimbledon authorities have banned Russians and Belarusian players from playing. But what is what has the response been from the federations?
0: Yeah, so as we all know, uh, the Ukraine's invasion by Russia has, you know, kind of caused uh, this effect all across uh, sports. And Wimbledon decided to take this decision because the UK government kind of gave them an advisory uh, in which there was a point which said whatever it takes to reduce the influence of Russia and Belarus, you are supposed to do it. And I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago to you that I was reading this book by George Orwell, why I write, and in that, there's one entire chapter dedicated uh, about England and war. And I realized that the English people in general, they have these strong anti-war sentiments. And maybe it's more about the perception of being the good guys than actually, you know, the reality of being the good guys. Uh, that's kind of the sentiment uh, I think they carry uh and yeah that has resulted into wimbledon taking this crazy decision of crazy and wrong i would say uh decision to ban uh, russian and belarusian players and uh, of course the sporting governing bodies uh, on the players side that is atp wt and itf they have decided to not grant any ranking points for Wimbledon this year. Uh so yeah that's that's the so background what, story.
2: So what does that mean if if they don't grant ranking points what what happens uh how does it change anything what is different?
0: Sure. So what how happens uh, what happens in ATP WTA and ITF ranking is you have this uh, 52 uh, week score that you're carrying. That determines your ranking and that determines uh your entry into the tournaments right so for example when you win a grand slam you have you get two thousand points if there's an atp 250 you get 250 points for winning the tournament if there's an atp 1000 you get 1000 points similarly on the wts side um so now when a player does not get 2000 points you know for winning the tournament basically or even 180 points for you know getting in the fourth round you're basically losing on those points and some players they reached, went deep in the tournaments, right? Someone like, let's say, Berrettini or Shapovala, or Djokovic. These guys won't be able to defend their points. That means their rank will go down. So now you see, you know, Medvedev will become one number one even without playing Wimbledon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because Djokovic will fall down. So stuff like that. So and he
2: will fall this... because he will not get points for playing uh, Wimbledon,
0: Correct. right? Yeah, yep. exactly so that also
1: so that that is that is how you know it's it's kind of punishing the wimbledon the wimbledon authorities by doing doing such a thing but yeah. i think wimbledon is still staying put they said uh, we understand the decision we are disappointed by it we going, but we are going to still uh, uh, stick to the stance is what they said so
2: can we spend a minute more so this is super interesting i just learned about this now right so yep. thank you uh, you made my day i've learned something new But what are your thoughts on this? So, this seems super interesting. So, I mean, Abhijit, we can get your thoughts as well. Because me and Gautam discussed this earlier. uh, This whole ban on, uh, you know, Russian and Belarusian players. I think uh, I speak for Gautam and I say that we both think it's it's not a nuanced stand. It's a, a, what do you call, a pretty, uh, stupid is a strong word. But it is not thought through. It is not thought through uh, a move on banning. And is this now this you say uh, the federation is not giving a ranking point is that uh, sticking back to the wimbledon like w- what is the larger goal of doing this like I, I i i'm kind of missing the point i guess
0: so basically when you don't avoid ranking points basically that event is an exhibition right i, I mean oh, what i see okay <laughs> It's like a glorified exhibition where people just going to come and they're going to win a trophy and then they're going to win prize money, but they don't have ranking points because only the best play to win the tournaments, you know, the majority of players are just trying to, you know, climb step the up, ranks, yep, yep. step up, that's that's their goal of the year, you know, they that's how they schedule their tournaments and so on. Uh, but of course, again, it's Wimbledon, you know, the oldest and the most prestigious tournament in the world. Right. Uh, so there are very mixed feelings about this entire topic, the uh, very polarized opinions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think this was a very poor decision by Wimbledon because the sport is all about non-discrimination. And what Medvedev, uh, what Putin is doing is nothing to do with Medvedev or Rublev. And, uh, you know, people from Belarus like Victoria Zarenka. So yeah, I do not agree with the this decision made by Wimbledon, and I'm glad ATP is doing this. But at the same time, it's hurting some players, so that's not a good thing. So it's a very complex problem, man. It's a very complex it's,
1: it's, problem. it's 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 a lose-lose for everybody. Nobody's winning in this. But yeah. but that's the given the circumstances. I think that the the cards have been dealt, and this is what we have. That is what we have. But also remember, without. Uh, some the rankings uh, also decide what seeds the player 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 gets moving into a tournament, right? So that also influences a lot of things. Yeah. So there is that factor as well. Ranking
0: so, is super important, man. Yeah. Is super important.
1: Man. Yep. In a way, I think Wimbledon is lucky because, as you said, it's the oldest and the most prestigious. So people will still go and play. It's you know, if they win, it's still one more Grand Slam to their name, right? So I'm sure they're still going to play. Djokovic is
0: going to be there for sure. I'm oh, kidding.
1: yeah. Djokovic is going to be there. He's already missed out on two or th- what? One or two? Two, right?
0: Yeah, even Australian, row, Australian and the… Uh, Australian he couldn't play. Last year he lost to Medvedev. Uh, yeah. French Open he lost to Nadal. Now let's see what happens.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. He's he's going to play. He's I'm sure he's uh, itching. So, uh, but yeah. it's we, Yeah, we've… Abhijit and… Uh, uh, sorry, Aniket and myself have… Uh, uh, spoken about this at length so i think we should probably leave it at there but the only interesting thing you said was orwell orwell spoke about how british the british have an anti-war sentiment but they've also always had a pro-conquest sentiment they're always like invading people and that, that's what purposes.
0: i said no it's i think it's more about perception of goodness uh, than the reality yeah. of this or you know yeah. that all uh, compass thing the, uh, it's yeah. still uh, revel
1: in the, they still revel in their monarchy they just finished she just finished 75 years of her quote-unquote reign so they were just all basking in her glory
2: So, it was also called uh, back in the day in our textbooks, I think, the white man's burden, right? To uplift the world. So, maybe it's something along those lines, but yeah. So, let's get to uh, the other talking point, right? So, we've spoken about Wimbledon. The fact that Abhijit mentioned Wimbledon will end up being only an exhibition game kind of uh, made me feel... It made (laughs) me recheck what I think about Wimbledon. Like, it just... Surprise me, but nevertheless, so let's go and uh, talk about. Uh, let's cap this episode off with talking about the Champions League. Uh, unless you guys have something else you want to talk about in the tennis front, so let's go ahead, Abhijit. Uh, so, Real Madrid, just to give you a recap, Real Madrid played Liverpool, Real Madrid had a streak of insane comebacks uh, uh, with every team. So, I think there was Chelsea there, there was PSG there, there was Man City. Right? So, all these three teams, they nicked back in the last minute thanks to Karim Benzema. Obviously, there were other goals too. Uh, that was scored other important goals. But I'm uh, putting Benzema out there because that's how it seemed at least when I jogged back in memory. Uh, most of the uh, games, he rose up to the occasion and played. And then Liverpool obviously went into the finals. And then the finals ended uh, 1-0 was the score. So, uh, Real Madrid... Uh, unfortunately winning it. I'm saying it on record. But uh, yeah, with that, what did you have as a sports enthusiast? What did you think? What did you... Whom were you rooting for? Did you have a horse in the race? Did you care? Uh, give us your thoughts.
0: Yeah, man. So actually, I'm a United fan. So uh, <laughs> Madrid beating Liverpool in this was kind of, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, well done, Madrid. And um, yeah, I miss college days, you know, this for this season. So that... Because in college, I used to stay up uh, Late and watch these matches, and now I don't get the time, totally. so I end up watching the highlights. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, Madrid, like what? There, is their fifth title in last seven eight years. Uh, that's something crazy. I think this is they did something like this back in fifties or sixties, and now they are doing it again. Um, what a great run, right? And uh, Benzema, I think he's a favorite for winning Ballon d'Or again this year, um, and I think he deserves it, man. Like I didn't think. Totally. We'll see Benzema we've been a Ballon d'or, Ballon d'Or, so I hope uh, yeah they vote him and uh, yeah and Gotham, what is yeah. what is with Real Madrid and the Champions League, dude? They, they just
1: they just have the bug, man. They just have the knack of winning it. You know, once you get you know some teams have this, once they get the taste of it, they know. They have this, you know, the intangibles, as I say, right? They know that they're going to come back. They know they're going to fight back from a tough position. If it's a final, they know how to play. They know they rise they rise up for the big occasion. Um, some of the players, if you remember, there's Modric, there's Cruz, there's Marcelo, Cotua, Benzema. All of these guys have been there for a long time. So they've seen a lot of lot of games together, a lot of big, big games together, right? I so,
2: think, so just to add to that, some of the individuals in the team have won it, I think, five times now. Yeah, so there is yeah, <laughs> there's a wide. significant chunk of that yeah. team that is like a five time Champions League winner yeah. in there. And again, one more shout out was to coach Carlo Ancelotti. So I think it's his fourth Champions League. Uh, yeah, I think he's gone to he's gone to every league. He's done everything you can. <laughs> right now and uh, let's not forget he was with everton so that's a pretty yeah. big swing in his uh, year moving from everton to real madrid and then winning both the league and the uh, champions league
1: you know good thing abhijit didn't uh, didn't stay up to watch the game first of all the match was delayed by what 50 minutes or so uh, guess what guys surprise surprise UFA messed things up again UFA oh, and fifa oh. messing things up is uh, the biggest non-surprise of them all I know it's just wild and it was and also they, su- even more yeah, yeah go, go ahead on. go ahead no go, go ahead no even more they blamed it on the fans so there was this big giant megatron right the big screen on the, in the stadium so they said the match was delayed because late arrival of fans. So they were blaming it on the fans when the when uh, it was very apparent, very quickly that the fans were just tailgating for three hours, just waiting outside the stadium to trying to get in, but there was all these bottlenecks on the uh, Liverpool side. So it is just classic, classic UFA all around. Uh, but then I think they I don't know if they've still owned up completely or not, but. Uh, you know, pending quote-unquote investigation and whatnot. So, you did not miss that. And also, as I always say this, finals like these, you know, you always get matches that are typical of a final but not worthy of a final, right? All, all It's always the semifinals or the quarterfinals that are the really More good exciting. Games. They're more exciting. The finals are, you know, they have time. Uh, teams tend to be on the defensive side, not to concede typically because this is just a one-off match and you have to you have to make the most of the opportunity. Um, and it turned out that way. Uh, the hero of the... You know, Liverpool started really well, but the the, the player of the match obviously was Kotwa, who made some tremendous, tremendous saves. It, this has been the year of Benzema and also this has been the year of uh, Thibaut Kotwa. Single-handedly, uh, I mean, and with a single hand, hand, he made a lot of <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah,
2: and he had, I mean, to be honest, again, Madrid had no business being in this final. It has just been individuals rising up to the occasion. So this is what I think you meant, Gotham. Is this notion of you know muscle memory or D- in your having it in your DNA on how to win these kind of uh, tournaments? So. Again, Couto made some insane saves, and I think he was—he was the man of the match, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure he would have, because he he did bring them in the game, and I can't remember right now. Maybe uh, Lippi can play the video. But who scored the winning goal?
1: Uh, Vinicius, Vinicius Junior.
2: Junior, yeah. Tucking across to the
1: left is Van Dijk, and he might just have some defending to do here. As lines him up has an opportunity to cross, and there has to be the opening goal!
2: It's Vinicius Junior, beautifully picked out, that far post ball works magically once again for Real Madrid, who strike the first blow in Paris. And it was all from Andy Robertson being caught out of position, it just enabled
1: Valverde an opportunity to run, Calvajar with a decoy run, and how often do we see this one? Alexander-Arnold will have known that they score goals on the far post, but he wasn't there. Vinicius Jr. was. Body shape ball wrong look. He's, he's unaware. He should be checking his shoulder. It's a great ball into an area, which just caused problems. Yeah. Uh Alexander Arnold was uh, caught sleeping and he snuck backdoor. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's right.
1: So, so that was yeah, that was the Champions League. Uh, but also, Kotwa, by the way, at the end of the post-match conference, he was, be, he was being a little uh, sassy. He was like, you know, I never got the uh, the respect that I deserve. People talk thought... about uh, Mendy, uh, the, probably because the way I left things at Chelsea, that's why people don't like me, but I think I should be uh, in the top five or top 10. Oh, did, so he he, little, did he, I, did he say that? I didn't oh, know. yeah, he did. Oh, he, he did. took Mendy's yeah. name? I don't know if he took Mendy's name or not, but definitely took Chelsea's name.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, no.
1: I have strong opinions. Yeah, one point before we close. Go
0: ahead. Uh, I want to talk about how, you know, this club success, when we see if at the history, they always run in cycles, you know. Like United had this crazy role with the Premier League and now what Madrid is doing with Champions League. It's usually one or two individuals who come in the system and they change the game, right? Like, uh, maybe Guardiola did it at Barcelona recently. And, you know, uh, of course, back in the 90s also, they had their own legends. So, right now, I think this Madrid is like when they wanted to win their 10th or Ladesima. Was it 11th or the 10th? The 10th, yeah. The 10th, right? They put so many years towards that goal. And they tried to bring these different personalities and players. And when they had, of course, Ronaldo and Bale. And, you know, uh, I think it was Carlo. Ancelotti again, who made them win the La De Sima. So I think it was Zidane, uh, maybe.
1: Zidane, uh, Zidane yeah. La De Sima. Uh,
0: La, No, no, it was uh, Ancelotti, and then three Zidane, and then Ancelotti again. I'm talking about 2014, the first. Oh yeah, yeah. if it was yeah. that
1: back then, yes. Ancelotti yeah. actually won it for Real Madrid too, I think. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's uh, we have to give you know credit to these individuals to come yeah. and change the systems. You know, Ferguson at United did the same and uh yeah man I think Ancelotti deserves more credit here <laughs> you know the only man to win four times and with two different teams twice That that's pretty amazing we always talk about uh, Mourinho and Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp but True. I think just doesn't come in the conversation much but of course he deserves that yeah. and what's interesting
2: is Zidane is a close second huh? with her three wins all three with <laughs> Real Madrid so I'm, I'm curious to see where he goes next actually it'll be really interesting to see his uh, managing uh, game in another league or with another team very interested so with that being said, Gautam, do you want to add uh, anything more to this? I think we've spoken about the fans, UEFA's, uh, uh, I don't know, what, what do you call botching it up or whatever. And then uh, the game
1: in general, Thibaut, Courtois. anything else you want to add? No, I think uh, I'm good. Uh, Abhiji, I think if we don't have anything, we should move on to some recommendations. Abhijit, do you have anything for us?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, this week's recommendation, let me think. Um, Caught you off guard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I read this book um, on tennis. Uh, let me just get the name right. It's called The Inner Game of Tennis. Uh, so basically, it talks about implicit implicit learning uh, where uh, a little or no instruction can help you achieve whatever you want. Uh, so it's more about sports psychology I found that book really helpful. It's helping me with my tennis and in general. So I think it's, it's a really good book uh, for anything else also that you uh, want to get it done. Uh, yeah. So please do check it out. It's called The Inner Game of Tennis.
2: Nice. Aniket. So my only recommendation is going to be, it's not a specific one, but I would recommend the uh, listeners to go Google. Uh, there are a lot of videos doing this run, but all of Nadal's 22 winning points. Uh, it is just uh, fascinating to watch uh, all the people he has beaten, uh, and there are it ranges from like Federer to Djokovic to everyone you can name. Like so, just go watch that. But beyond that, I don't have uh, any other recommendation this
1: week. I have a couple of uh, recommendations. The first one is I know we s- briefly spoke about. Uh... I briefly spoke about uh, Will Chamberlain and Winsha- Wilt Chamberlain and his hundred-point game in the NBA. Uh, there's a neat, uh, very short, uh, about four to five-minute uh, short documentary about that game. Uh, one of those uh, feats that cannot be—I don't think—cannot be replicated anytime soon. But who knows? It might happen. So definitely check that out. Uh, also, obviously last but not the least uh, news laundry guys go to www.newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button all of us the three of us who spoke on this episode we just met only because of uh, news laundry here so uh, please go to the uh, go to the website check all of the stuff that uh, news laundry has going all the podcasts all the ground reports all the articles uh, everything that it has to offer please do subscribe uh, to pay uh, to- and pay to keep news free. Did that say? Did I say that right, Annika? Pay to you keep did. news free. You did.
2: And uh, I think all of us have a stake in a thriving democracy, and this is uh, how we can contribute to retain <laughs> the democracy that we have and uh, our uh, early generations have given us. So, independent media is the fourth pillar. So, guys, go support uh, independent media, more specifically, News Laundry. And yeah. uh, if you have any suggestions. Uh, Write to us uh, like Abhijit did. Uh, Come talk to us. Teach us about various aspects of sport and how you participate in the sporting ecosystem just like uh, Abhijit is. So, Abhijit is a good ambassador for our podcast. So, yeah. And keep them coming in the podcast letters. So, until next time. Bye-bye. Awesome.
1: And also, uh, News Story will not... uh suspend myself for uh, uh because of some inflammatory statements that we we would make because we will not make them like BJP <laughs> did. So anyway, I just Suckle. want to work that joke in. I, yeah. I just want to work that in. But no. But thank you so much, Abhijit, for uh, joining us again. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you again once uh, Wimbledon concludes, and we'll get you there uh, again to recap uh, that tournament, that exhibition uh, tournament. So, uh, <laughs> until, until next time, guys. Thanks, Anike Thanks, Abhijit. Have a good day, and thanks to producer LP as well. Thank care. you so much, guys.
0: Thank yep. you. Yeah. Speak to you in a few weeks. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.